Now, I'm Mark. I'd like to welcome you all here this morning. I'm the senior leader here at Elevate Church, and uh, good to have you all here this morning. Craig and Mal just uh, spotted you over there from the Gold Coast, originally from God's country, Western Australia. Um, Hey, listen, just want to make sure your brains are switched on. I want to get you thinking from the get-go here. Let me ask you a question. What word or words spring to mind when I say the word or when you think of the word influence? What, 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 what words, what, what, what images, what things, what thoughts are conjured up when you hear or, or hear and now I'm saying the word influence? For me, when I think about influence, I think immediately about things like leadership, clout, uh, leverage. Louis used the word impact. You know, this whole idea of, 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 of making a difference, of, of being influential. And it's very much tied up with our identity, very much something that God says that we are, that we are influential. And I just want you to hold that thought intention for a moment as we journey through this morning. Now, some of you guys have been around churches for a long time. Some of you guys have been around churches for a very short period of time. Me, I've been in, in and around churches most of my life. And one of my observations, and I've shared it a couple of years ago here, is that over time, unfortunately, the gravitational pull of many churches is, is inwards. And, and instead of looking out and reaching out and doing the things that Jesus called us to do, too many churches become clubs for members only. And, and, and this gravitational pull becomes inwards. And the focus shifts from who we're trying to, to who we're trying to keep instead of who we're trying to reach. And, and we become keepers of the aquarium where Jesus called us to go out and be fishers of men or fishers of people. Here at Elevate, we have a code. You can go into our website, elevatechurch.me, and there's 10 things, 10 values. We call it our code. And one of those here is that we prioritize outsiders over insiders. And uh, that is just a critical, critical position that we're taking we've taken here at Elevate, that we prioritize outsiders over insiders. Now, it's not always an either-or proposition, okay? You know, we, we, we're working at upgrading and updating and improving our physical facilities so that we can present a great and compelling and warm and engaging environment for guests. You know, so we got new, getting new chairs and projectors, screens, so we can communicate a timeless meth- message in timely methods, Etc. 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 Hey, great! We want to communicate that and, and and say to outsiders, we're expecting you. We're expecting you. We, we want to put our best foot forward so that you feel very welcome here. And not or and us insiders, we get to enjoy sitting on the comfy seats as well, and we get to enjoy watching timely methods to communicate a timely, timeless message. But but the point is, if and when we're faced with the choice of prioritizing outsiders over insiders. We're always going to go with outsiders. And it's not a new idea. It's something that Jesus said very, very clearly when he came to earth 2,000 years ago. He reminded the people then, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. And here at Elevate, rather than run endless programs and courses and, and classes and events, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which I've just seen look, make churches look like hamsters on a wheel, lots of activity, not much accomplishment, 
we've decided to do something incredibly radical to call the church, that is the people, that's us, to be the ones who make this happen. Make the idea that we call sinners to repentance. And we say it very simply, that uh, the journey for us is, and the commitment for us is to engage, invest, invite, that we would be engaging with people who don't yet know and aren't yet following Jesus, make sure that we don't sit in our little Christian cubicles. We engage, we get out there and we invest. You know, we don't just have a thousand friends, mile wide and inch deep, but we make sure we take some of those relationships further and start to invest, invest into people, speak life, give life, invest, be generous towards them. And ultimately the, the, the hope is that we would be, uh, earn their trust, be influential in their lives to, to a point where we can invite them to a relevant environment. That might be an Elevate group, you know, for some people to walk into a big building, you know, church buildings, a bit too big a step for some people. And so sometimes the, the, the easiest next step is to say, hey, some of my friends, we get together every couple of weeks at, at my house or at a coffee shop or whatever. And, you know, we, you know, we talk about God and Bible and life and kind of encourage each other. You want to maybe just come along and sit in on that? And often that's a, 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 a really uh, easier within reach kind of next step for people that we've been engaged with, investing in, and now inviting. Hey, then again, there's Easter coming up in four weeks' time. Four weeks' time. And that, you know, that is just the key season of the year, along with Christmas, where more people are, are open to the idea of pitching up at a church building and being part of that. So we can be uh, thinking along those lines already. And this idea of who do you think you are. There's a lot of statements that, that are in the Bible that, that are statements about you and I. That as we commit to follow Jesus, we become certain things. There's certain things that, 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 that immediately become part of the fabric of who we are, become our identity. And Jesus said something that underlined part of who we are. He said, you are the salt of the earth. That's a statement of who you are. Who do you think you are? I am the salt of the earth, needs to be your response. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. But here's this statement. Who do you think you are? You are the salt of the earth. It's a statement of your identity. It's a statement of your position. And as we said last week, our identity shapes our activity. And so we need to get clearer about who we really are, about who God says we are, not necessarily who people that have given us a hard time say we are, not even what our little kind of insecurities play to and say who we are, but who God says we are. You are the salt of the earth. It's a statement of position and it's a position of influence. God wants us to act from this and be salty. Now, one of the problems with making a statement like that in 2013 is we don't have the same level of understanding of what salt did 2,000 years ago when Jesus said this to the audience that he was speaking to. He would have said to them, hey guys and girls, guess what? You're the salt of the earth. And they would have known, bam, 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 bam. That means all of these things. We get 
to read it now, 2,000 years later, and Jesus says, hey guys, you're the salt of the earth, and we picture a little Saxa salt shaker, and uh, it's kind of as far as we can take it, and it doesn't seem like such a big deal. It doesn't seem like something you'd want to aspire to. It's like, really? Hmm, that sucks. But it was so much more when Jesus said it, and, and let me just kind of unpack that a little bit. Back then, 2,000 years ago, in these kind of Roman trade routes, salt was a highly valued commodity. Highly valued commodity. People used to get paid in salt. Okay, sometimes you get paid in, in money, Roman coins, but, but other times people would get paid in salt. That's, that's where we get the word salary. It's from the same root word as the word salt, to ching. That's why some of you maybe have heard the expression, oh, that person's not worth their salt. It's, it's, it comes back to this idea that, that, that back 2,000 years ago, through the Roman trade routes, salt was a highly valued commodity. So when Jesus says you're the salt of the earth, he's saying you are highly valuable. You're incredibly valuable. I want to use you. You are of great worth. You can have great influence and great potential. They would have known that. They would have heard that and known that and think, wow, Jesus says I'm the salt of the earth. That's amazing. I'm a highly valued commodity. They would have also known the very uh, multiplicitous uses of salt. Back then, some of them we don't use them anymore. But back then, not only was salt a highly valued commodity, but the reason it was so highly valued is it because it was so highly useful. And so again, for Jesus 2000 years ago to have said, hey, guys, girls, listen, I want to tell you something good. You're the salt of the earth. They would have known, wow, I'm a highly valued commodity. The son of God says I am, and I'm highly useful. That's great news. Back then, this is some of the things that salt did. And, 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 and let's understand the metaphor. Let's understand the application today. Salt preserves. Some cultures still use salt for preservation, pres- preserving fish and, and hams and prosciutto and, and things like that. And we sort of maybe know about it, but maybe haven't done it. They did that pre-refrigeration. Salt was a preserving agent. And, and, and that plays out for you and I today. God has certain values. God has, has, has things like character that he wants to, to remain high priority in, in, in his creation. And we are the people. We're the salt. We're the ones that are called to preserve certain values, certain things in our culture today. Salt purifies. There's a word that we don't hear very much these days. It's the word Holiness. We don't get, you know, the infomercials don't come on selling holiness, selling books of how to become holy. And, and, and yet one of the things that we're meant to do is we're meant to demonstrate a holy life that, that turns its back on sin and turns its face towards God and models, not perfection. We're never going to achieve that this side of eternity, but, but models holiness, a pursuit of a holy God. So creates thirst. You know, when you go into a bar and they have the little bowl of nuts, they're salty and they're they're complimentary, and you think, wow, that's amazing, free nuts. And it's like, no, no, they're there to get you thirstier. So you buy more drinks. Ah, we're meant to do that. We're meant to be the people whose lives are so compelling, whose lives are being transformed in, in such a way that our Our friends, the people that we've engaged with and are investing in, are thinking and saying to us, man, whatever you have, whatever it is you've got, I want that. 
I've got a thirst for that. I want to know what's the secret source that you've got that I don't have. Salt heals. You know, if you've scratched yourself, got a bit bunged up, one of the best things you can do is go down to the ocean and have a little splash around in the surf for the first couple of minutes. It's very unpleasant. You know, seemed like a good idea driving here. Not so much now. But it actually has, a, salt has a healing property. And again, you and I are the people that God has positioned to bring healing, to bring restoration, not to stir things up, to bring a balm to situations, to restore relationships, to bring reconciliation to people. Ultimately, to bring reconciliation to God as well. Salt heals. So when Jesus says you're the salt of the earth, we need to understand, wow, that's amazing. I'm highly valued and I'm highly useful. I can be doing all these things, preserving, purifying, healing, creating a thirst. And then Jesus said a second analogy. Now, whenever Jesus kind of pushes onto a second analogy, to reinforce the same point he's making. You know, you've got to understand he's doing that because it's so important. He doesn't want us to miss it. Or if I didn't quite get the salt analogy, let me throw another one at you. So he puts another one out there. Immediately after that, he said, you are the light of the world. The light of the world. Whoa. That sounds like a big responsibility. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. I'm a city on a hill. And neither do people put on a lamp, put a, a, a light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in their house. And in the same way, let your light shine before people that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So Jesus has just finished telling us that we're the light of the world. And that's some really great news. And then he goes on to say, and if you kind of didn't quite get the importance of this, understanding this influence that I want you to carry, you're the light of the world. Wow, I'm the light of the world. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Now again, his audience would have understood that, but we don't understand that because we just flick light switches on and off. That's kind of, there's no bowls involved in illumination these days. Back then in Palestine 2000 years ago, they only had candles and oil burning kind of things. And what would happen is, and they didn't have redhead matches or Bic lighters. Okay. To get these things going was a little bit of a chore. So, so when, when they finally got it going, it made a lot of sense to try and keep it going. And what they would do, though, is if they left the house, they would have a bowl. They would have, would have had a bowl, and, and, and the bowl would have had a, a hole in when it was sitting on the table in the bottom, but they would actually put that bowl on the top of the lamp. So it would stop the wind being a, 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 an issue and potentially blowing the lamp out, um, but allowing a little bit of oxygen so it could keep burning. You, you get that? So this is why Jesus was saying these very words. You're the light of the world. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. You know, if you're leaving the building, they, they did and they got that. But he's saying, you're in the world. You're not leaving the building yet. Elvis has not left the building yet. And you're Elvis. Okay. <laughs> Instead of putting it under a bowl, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. People probably didn't write that down back then. They would have gone, well, duh, 
Because this wasn't news to anybody. Of course, of course, we don't, when we're sitting around the home and we want some light, we don't put it under a bowl. We do that when we go out. Jesus, son of God, she, got anything better than this? This is just no-brainer stuff, mate. But he was reminding them and comparing it with them. You are positioned in the earth, in the world. You're here. We're here to be the light. Don't put it under a bowl. Be light and give light to everyone in the house. So here's the thing. Let's make this declaration this morning. This is a statement of position. It's not a future promise. It's a statement of position. It's our current reality. It's our true identity. Say these words after me. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. Give it one more. Let's have a little bit. This sounds like a flipping funeral parlor here. Come on. I'm the salt of the earth. And I'm the light of the world. That's awesome. You, me, of all the people that God could have picked, he chose us. Wow, what an enormous privilege. Amazing. Sticking point could be that some of us don't want that responsibility. We're thinking, holy smoke, that sounds, that's, that's, can I just go home now? Well, you can, but, but, but let me just underline one thing. This is the fourth week that we've been teaching on this subject. Who do you think you are? And, 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 and for those of you that have been here for four weeks, let, let me highlight something. And for those of you that haven't, let me just kind of backfill a little. One of the patterns that we've been drawing on, a biblical pattern, is that God moves first. God moves first and then we move in response to his first action. We don't have to drum this up. We don't have to drum up being the salt of the earth. We don't have to drum up being the light of the world. Because when you think about it, first and foremost... God's the salt of the earth, right? He purifies, he preserves, he heals. Of course, we know that. God's the light of the world, right? He brings light to darkness, to to every dark situation. And we just act in response to that. Four weeks ago, we talked about we are ambassadors. It's 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 who we are. But 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 Jesus first came to earth as God's ambassador appointed, sent with God's authority. And then we're called to carry that on, to be God's ambassadors today. And we just act in response. And we don't have to be overwhelmed by that because whenever an ambassador is sent, that ambassador is sent with the authority of the one that sent them. Wow, that's great. I get to go with God's authority wherever he's called me to. That's a relief. It is. Three weeks ago, I I talked about the fact that we're God's masterpiece. Oh, I don't feel like God's masterpiece. I opened up saying, has anyone got any insecurities? You know, how many hands and feet can I say? Got any insecurities? My Lord, how long have you got? I'll tell you a story. Absolutely. But that's, 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 that's what we too often think about. But God doesn't say that about us. He says, you're my masterpiece. And he created us perfectly. And it's kind of slap in the face for us to be pointing out all the things we think he did wrong. <laughs> well, I didn't do a pretty good job on that one, God. You know, whoa. Hold the phone, Reg. But whilst we didn't create, don't create ourselves as the masterpiece, we act in response to that. And we said we're God's masterpiece designed and created for the master's purpose. Last week, we talked about being an overcomer. 
that, that God says we are overcomers. And, and because of that, stuff's going to come our way that's going to be challenging. But we get to fight from victory, not for victory. The victory's already been won by God, not by us, by Jesus. And we get to act in response to that. Well, this is the exact same thing. When Jesus said, let your light shine, it's important for us to recognize we're not the source of the light, right? It doesn't come from us, but it comes through us. Or or maybe another way to look at it is it's reflected from us. I think about it, one of the best analogies I can think of is, is, is the moon in its relationship to the sun. You know, right now, the, the, the moon's uh, around its full moon time, right? Did you, have you noticed that? Do you know that people actually, you know the word lunatics, it comes from the whole thing of the moon and lunar. Legitimately, like, I don't know, some of you work in hospitals. I hear people say, when they work, those that work in hospitals, particularly in some psychiatric hospitals, that people literally light up like woo, extra crazy when the moon's at a full moon. I tell you, this week it's been a full moon and drivers on the road have been, I mean, Perth drivers are pretty bad at the best of the times, but they have been just the worst this week. Man alive. I've been praying that I'm a cat with nine lives, little Vespa, side swiped. Anyway, it's the moon. Anyway, I digress. The moon, whilst the moon is often bright, it doesn't have any light of its own. It merely reflects the light of the sun. And that's what we're called to do. The first response isn't dependent on us. The first response is the fact that God moved first and sent his son, Jesus, to be the light of the world. And following the exact same pattern in response to that, he calls us to reflect his light, to continue to reflect his light. That's why he said, let your light shine. He didn't say, force your light to shine, make your light shine, manufacture a bit more brightness. He said, let your light shine. It's something that we allow to happen. It's something that we, that God wants to do. But there is, there is a couple of important moving parts in this. Okay. As much as this is our position, Jesus says you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. That's our position. We can actually move out of position. All right? And there's a little bit of a, of a warning there. A couple of mistakes we can make is, is that first one is hiding our light. You know, putting a bowl over our light. And uh, people do this. People who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, some of them put their light under a bowl. No one would ever know. They're undercover disciples, which should be an oxymoron. There shouldn't be any such thing as undercover disciples. If we're Jesus' disciples, we rip it and we've got the big D on and the big red cape and the undies on the outside. We can't be Jesus' disciples and remain undercover. But, you know, doesn't mean we're all Jesus all the time. Uh, this week, you know, one of the ways I engage with and invest in, in unchurched people is through the sport of triathlon. And uh, I'm involved in a swim squad three mornings a week. Swim squads are a very antisocial place to start the day because it's, even though you're in a group, uh, multiple lanes, Baden, you'll remember this, multiple lanes, you know, we might have 50, 60, 70 people at swim squad spread out across the lanes at the local pool. There's no discussion. There's no chat. There are no recipe swapping. There is you, horizontal, face down, blowing bubbles, looking at some black tiles, up 
and down, up. So the opportunities to engage with and invest in people within Swim Squad are particularly limited. But I'm still open, still there, building some influence, building some cred. You know, nowhere to hide when all you're wearing is a pair of budgie smugglers anyway. So you just, you're out there. <laughs> And uh, so we're leaving, this was uh, Wednesday morning, leaving the, 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 the pool complex and one of the guys that's in my lane, uh, how's your training going? You know, it's just it's like a standard question, how's your training going? You know, and we've all got standard answers, oh yeah, ticking along, ticking along. And I said to him, um, I said, oh look, uh, for me, I said, it's going to be a bit of a challenge, I've got a race in 10 weeks time and the next three weeks I'm going to be in the US. And he's like, oh, what are you going to the US for? I said, oh, you know just a couple of speaking engagements and a, and a conference. And he said, um, oh. he's a, he's a stockbroker in the city. Um, and cause these guys don't know what I do for a living. And, uh, he's like, Oh, speaking engagement. Where are you speaking at? And I said, Oh, a couple of churches, different parts of the U S churches. Yeah. The bloody hell do you speak on the churches? And I said, Oh, you know, God and Jesus, you know, all the popular subjects. And he just, like, you know, if you want to, like, paint a big question mark on his face, that was the look right there, you know. But, um, but, but I had the opportunity to tell him anything else. Oh, you know, going to the U.S. to, oh, you know, you know, ride. drink coffee, ride my push bike, you know. I could have, could have said that because I'm going to do both of those things as well. Lots of both of them, actually. But... There's opportunities for us. And if we hide our light, if we miss those opportunities, Jesus is saying, you're not created for that. That's not who you are. And another thing, and this is maybe even just as a chronic an issue that we move out of position, is, is, is that we, too often, too many people who say they're following Jesus have allowed or are in the process of allowing their light to go out. You know, you ever met them? People that say they're followers of Jesus but have no zeal, no passion. You know, one of my buddies tweeted this week, you know, I meet people who say they've met Jesus but they've forgotten how to smile. <laughs> Come and follow Jesus. Experience the joy of the Lord. Uh, no thanks, mate. I'm going to the pub where people smile. You know, you know, we're meant to be salt of the earth and light of the world. We're, we're meant to be people who carry God's spirit and it's meant to be compelling. It's meant to be attractive. It's meant to be appealing. But if we've got no zeal, no passion, no joy, it's not compelling. It's repelling. It's repulsive. You stiff arming people away from the kingdom because you've got no joy because you've allowed your light to get dim or to go out. And, and, and this is what I'd say first and foremost. If you've allowed your light to go out and you're happy with that, please, for the sake of the rest of us, do not engage with unchurched people. Please, do not engage with unchurched people. Stay away because you give the rest of us a bad reputation and make our job the more harder. But, but I want to say don't. Be happy with having let your light go out. Don't be happy with allowing your light to go out. Don't think it's this inevitable slippery slope. Oh, you know, new Christians are so full of passion and so full of zeal, but we all know the longer you follow Jesus, the more you calm down. It's not what my Bible says. 
My Bible says that the more we follow Jesus, the more closely we follow Jesus. He transforms us from glory to glory. We should be more passionate about him the more we get to know him, his character, his promises, his love. Less, less, less suggests to me you've actually stopped following him. Oh, you've got the badge. I'm a Christian going to heaven. Well, hurry up. You are not the poster child for the life that Jesus promised. Anyway, that's going to be on the CD. We might even put that in the intro. Listen on if you dare. So if, the, if that's you, and I genuinely say this, if, if that's you, for whatever reason, sometimes life just knocks the stuffing out of us too, and I get that. And sometimes we feel disappointed and angry at God because you know, he hasn't answered the prayers that we've prayed in the way that we would have him answer it. By the way, God answers all prayers, just sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Sometimes the answer is yes, but I'm going to do it a different way. Anyway, it's a message for another time. So how do you increase your light? Well, again, this is all about positioning ourselves to reflect the light. Get close to the source of the light. Get close to the source of the light. If, if, if you don't regularly read your Bible, if you don't regularly pray, you're not going to get close to the source of the light and you're not going to accurately and brightly reflect the light. It's just simple. We're not. None of us. Get close to the source of the light. If, if our live experience on a Sunday is, is just one of a list of things that you consider and it's, occasionally it makes the top of the list and you're here, but occasionally it doesn't and you know, every other Sunday or every third Sunday, every, you're not going to be close to the source of the light and you're not going to model to the people around you that this is important, getting close to the source of the light. Another way you can increase your light is to serve. I mentioned this to our team members last Sunday. Um, one of the, the, the preeminent churches in the U.S. Um, have, have done a survey, uh, called the, called the, and then they've published the results of that survey. It's called Reveal. And uh, just to cut to, to the chase here, what, one thing they expected, they were just trying to get an idea of, of, of what things are catalytic for someone who's following Jesus to do that effectively within a church environment. They try to answer that in some sort of conclusive, definitive terms. And they thought that midweek small groups, what we call elevate groups, they thought that that was going to be the main thing. Coupled with our live experiences, continue the conversation in an elevate group. They thought that was going to be the big ticket item for, for, for seeing people in that expression of community growing and considering they're growing. What they found, however, is that the number one uh, environment where people found that they grew the most was by serving, was by serving. And, 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 and the reason that that's made the news, it's made sort of the Christian blog news because that's, that's a surprise to people. And I remember reading it thinking it was a surprise to me thinking, oh, that sort of turns things on its head a little bit. Now we encourage three things. Be a part of a live experience. Every Sunday, make it a priority. Be a part of an Elevate group. We're launching them in April. Every two weeks, Elevate group, great. And serve in an Elevate team. But interestingly, according to this study, this one is going to be the big ticket item in terms of us growing. And I thought, what, 
what's the secret sauce that's been folded into serving that doesn't exist in these other two? Well, well, well one of the things is when you're serving and you're saying to God, I want to be used powerfully. I want to be used effectively. I want to bear a lot of fruit. I don't want to just kind of do a half-assed job here. If that's your passion, if that's your heart, you're going to seek him big time. We, we know that or else we'd never do it. We'd, 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 we'd just laze back, laze around, you know, follow God, sitting on a rocker recliner. And if you're part of a team and you're saying, God, use me powerfully, make my life count, make what I do echo in eternity, you're going to press into him. You're going to get close to the source of the light. It's critical. Maybe your act of service is actually to lead an elevate group. So where you've got now a bit of responsibility for a group of people and helping them with their journey, that's going to cause you to grow. That's going to cause you to press your nose against the source of the light real up close and personal. Another way we can ignite or increase our light is to get around bright lights. Um, some of you have heard the old cliche, you are what you eat. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's just as true or perhaps more true. You are a reflection of the company you keep. And uh, to throw another little cliche, I'm not a big fan of them, but another one in there, birds of a feather flock together. Birds of a feather flock together. What's interesting about that particular observation is it, that cuts two ways. Birds of a feather flock together. In other words, people that are like each other tend to find each other. And people that aren't yet like each other, the more time they spend together, start to become like each other. Okay? And who we choose to run the race of life with is a key ingredient to the outcome of our life. One great Christian leader says, you are who you are because of the books you read and the company you keep. And it is so true. And if you find that your light is getting a bit dim, look around. Who do you spend the most time with? Are they bright lights? And, 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 and secondly, by the way, because, okay, we're, we're, we're talking about women to engage with and invest in unchurched people. So that requires some proximity. We've got to also ask who's influencing whom as well. Say, so I'm hanging around these other dim lights because I want to help spark their flame. Well, great, but make sure that's the transaction that's actually taking place. Not that they're snuffing your flame out because that can happen as well. And the last one is input. Make sure we're getting input. Going back to the salt analogy, Jesus says if salt loses its saltiness, what will make it salty again? Input. Input will make it salty again. Input will make it salty again. Leadership is influence. Influence is leadership. And one of the things I've learned about leadership is leaders are learners. Leaders don't accept the status quo. Leaders aren't charged with the responsibility of preserving the status quo. Leaders are charged with the responsibility of forging a path into the future. Leaders are learners. And if your light's going out, if you're losing your saltiness, ask the question, how much input am I taking responsibility to give to myself? 
Is this 25-minute message my weekly spiritual diet? If it is, you are already losing your saltiness. This will not sustain you. No more than one meal a week will sustain you for the rest of the seven days of the week. It's not possible. We're meant to keep chewing, keep feeding. Ourselves, by the way, adults feed themselves. It's one of the key distinctions of an adult and a child. And so people in churches, you're not feeding me. I'm not meant to feed you. (laughs) You're meant to feed yourself if you're an adult. And we need to be doing that input. And it's, boy, these days, there was a time you had to go and buy books, spend money to get input. These days, you have to spend a cent. Ebooks online, blogs, podcasts, at our fingertips, accessible, affordable. We need to take that because it's one of the tools that are going to keep us in the position to well reflect the light. Hey, some of you guys, I've been talking this morning about following Jesus. Louis talked about getting baptized next week, of that being a public expression and a public demonstration of us having made a decision to follow Jesus. Well, it's quite possible some of you have never made that decision. And every week, every Sunday here at Elevate, we, want to, we, 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 we like to give you that opportunity, give people that opportunity. Last Sunday, three people said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. The Sunday before that, another three people said, yep, me too. I want to follow Jesus. This morning, if you've never made that decision, right now we want to give you that opportunity to take that next step, to say, yeah, you know what? I I, I want to follow Jesus. haven't done it before, and I know that this morning, right here, that's the decision I need to make. That's the step I need to take. So here's what we're going to do in a moment. For those of you, that that's your next step today to start following Jesus. I just want you to put your hand up. You're saying, yep, you're putting your hand up to God, not to me, but I'll see your hand. And when I see it, you, know, you can put it down. He's saying, I, I want to follow you today, Jesus. And then, and then we're going to pray. So right now, this morning, this very moment, this is the most important thing we do. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, and you know that now's your time, just put your hand up. Say, yeah, I want to start following you, Jesus. That's me. And you can put it down. I don't want to miss anybody. And then we're going to pray. So just let me look around our auditorium a couple of times. I don't, want to, I don't want to linger too long, but I don't want to rush this either. Cool. Great. Who else? Fantastic. Who else? Just saying, that's me. I want, to, I want to follow Jesus. I want to start that journey today. Just put your hand out. When I see your hand, you can put it down. And we're going to pray. Great. Good job. Fantastic. Let's pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. We've got three people that raise their hands. You three pray this prayer, but we're all going to pray this prayer because we're right alongside you and we're on the exact same journey following Jesus as well. So repeat these words, and and these are words to God, okay? So a bit of zeal, a bit of passion, a bit of light, a bit of salt, a bit of horsepower, a bit of fiery red chili sauce. Whatever spins your propellers. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to earth 2,000 years ago, dying in my place, taking on my sins, giving me an opportunity to follow you, 
to know you and to have a relationship with you. Right here, right now, I thank you for forgiving me, for cleansing me, for giving me a brand new start. And I commit from this day to follow you closely all the days of my life. Amen. How about we celebrate with those three people, gang?